0: The Skinny Podcast,
1: only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com Digital Sports Commons Center with Rick Brewering. Each and every week, we look at sports topics of local interest, maybe a national topic or two, a gambling segment that we usually throw in there, and then a segment where you can ask me a question on anything. Go to Twitter each week, hit up the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. As always, this podcast is brought to you by... Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. Rick, I appreciate the birthday shout out the other day. That was very nice of you. And uh, it just means I'm getting one year closer to the grave. That's all.
0: There are a lot of people that were uh, excited about that on social media, I saw. And actually, normally we save the asking any anything questions for the end. But one of the questions we got was, What'd you do for your birthday? So what'd you uh, it, was
1: actually, it was actually quite nice. We went with another couple who actually have their anniversary on the same night. We went to uh, see Cheap Trick and Rod Stewart at Riverbend. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Rod Stewart for 77 years old put on a two-hour show. It's impressive. There's a lot of that
0: going on right now with the music people of your generation really hanging on and and doing these tours in their late 70s and even 80s. it's,
1: It's incredible. I mean, Cheap Trick is actually... In the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they were the opening act. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good one too. And well, I, you know, Rod Stewart. I, you know, I was a fan, obviously, growing up, but not like crazy, crazy fan. It was amazing, though, to hear the the depth of the amount of songs and hits that he has had. That he just kept rolling out one after another after another. His voice isn't quite there at age seventy-seven, but his energy level was ridiculous. And uh, still, it's it's still an iconic voice that you heard. So it was it was pretty cool. It worked out well.
0: Uh, that was like The the Who played at Paul Brown right this right. summer earlier. And everyone went and saw that. It was like, th- th- they're really old.
1: Well, no, as I, I was to say, I, I, somebody said Roger Daldry's voice didn't sound very good that night either. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I just want you to look around and go, hey, your grandma and grandpa are in their 70s. How are they getting around? This cat's running around the stage and dancing. Right, in tight pants. <laughs> right, correct.
0: Unbelievable. All right, let's jump into it, Skinny. The Reds are shockingly 5 and 2 since we last talked. They had four walk-off wins last week after not recording a single one prior to last Sunday. They also had this Tuesday's come from behind win over the Yankees in the top of the ninth. The team is currently 33 and 55 overall, 15 and a half games back of the first place Brewers and a game back of the fourth place Cubs. What were your thoughts as you watched the Reds win all these games in a dramatic fashion over the last week?
1: Um, I mean, good for them to keep grinding. Um, it doesn't move my needle much at all. I just sometimes chalk stuff up to that's just baseball. Um, you know, they didn't beat schlep. So you can't go out. Ah, they just beat the, the the crappy pirates or the crappy cubs or the crappy athletics Beat two playoff caliber teams. And, and in question that no question, the, the best team in baseball and the Yankees. Um, I put a story up on our website yesterday. There was all kinds of, uh, statistical anomalies from that game. Um, one being the, the Reds became the first team in what's considered the modern era of baseball, which is post-World War II, to enter a game sub-400 against a team above a 700 winning percentage and rally from three runs or more down in the ninth. That's pretty amazing to me. That's the first time that's happened between teams of that ilk. So it's one of those things you just say it's baseball. I think some of it, though, too, is... I think it's tied to Jonathan India a little bit swinging the bat a little bit better. I mean, if you're going to keep putting him in the top of the lineup and and he's got to get on base and he really started to do that, I think the offense kind of follows suit.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the team in general just getting healthy has been a nice boost for them. And it's not a surprise that when this team is healthy, they're capable of being somewhat competitive. I still don't think they're a great baseball team, obviously, but they weren't that far off from competing last year prior to the front office tanking the offseason. So this team at full strength, which they really haven't been for most of the season, is not as bad as it started out the year. And it was funny, like, I even, it was a very weird exchange. I said something about how it was objectively funny to see the Reds play in all these really exciting games after their season already became meaningless. And, like, Rufus was Took exception to that for some odd reason, like wanted to tell me that the season wasn't meaningless. But then it was no, funny. it's mean.
1: No, no, I, I love Rufus to death. It's meaningless. Yes, well, it's right, absolutely 100%. meaningless. I mean, no, it's like I would tell you this: outside of baseball nerds, nobody cares about this team. I mean, nobody.
0: Right, one hundred percent. And I mean, I, I'm not even doing it from a standpoint of like trying to be the Debbie Downer fan. Like, don't enjoy this. I, I'm not. You can enjoy game to game what's going on still, and and enjoy an exciting win while still recognizing that from a fan perspective, there's nothing to really care about the season. It's, it's a totally meaningless season at this point. And it was funny because after he was going at me on Twitter at the end, uh, Jonathan India does his interview with Jim day and he almost says it and he kind of stops himself. And he's like, "Uh, I I wish things would have been different towards the beginning of the season, but he almost said like, basically if we were actually in any contention, we have a really good team still is, is what he was essentially saying. And, I I just, it's, it's, it's hard to watch these games and not think if this team was even remotely competitive, I mean, even third place in the division or whatever, these games would be so much fun to watch right
1: now. But Yeah. And and, and honestly, I mean, they still are to some degree. Again, if you're, if you're a deep seated baseball fan, but I mean, uh, there's, there's not a ton of those folks out there. I mean, I'm watching every night. I still watch not because it's my job, but I still watch, um, you know, I heard Chris Welsh after the the, the win. Um, actually, as we were driving out of the concert, um, the, the uh, on Tuesday night after the, the the win, the the win where they ride from three nothing down to beat the Yankees, talking about how he'd love to be in the clubhouse right now celebrating with the guys. He can only he said he can only imagine what that clubhouse is like. And I thought that sounds silly, but I get it. I mean, take take your small enjoyments where you can, especially as a player or as a manager. You know, you just swept the Rays, took one from the Yankees that you absolutely, you know, I don't what – shouldn't say they have no business winning, but you're dead in the water down three, nothing in the ninth. Hell yeah. You should enjoy it. I'm not telling you nobody should enjoy it. It doesn't mean it's not, it's not any less meaningless in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I understand from the players, his thing was like for the players, it's not meaningless. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. I agree. Some of these guys are playing for contracts and stuff, but I think from the fan perspective, we can be honest and say, there's nothing really going on here this year, and that's okay. It's, it doesn't mean you can't still enjoy an exciting walk-off win over the Yankees. That's, that's still a fun night of baseball. I enjoyed watching those games, and Hunter Green is still out there. Nick Lodolo is still out there. Graham Ashcraft is still out there. You've got some guys of the future to still watch and, and enjoy. It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't enjoy what's going on on a game-to-game basis while still dealing in the facts of, yeah, it's, it's a meaningless season
1: at this point. Yeah, and I didn't go to one of my favorite websites, um, Stats by Stats. They always, they're always they the ones that, that, that came up with the stat that the Reds were the first team in the modern era to rally from three-plus runs down against a team over seven. That stat I just threw out there. But I think this is the second time this year that a team has hit back-to-back-to-back to back to back homers in a game like the Reds did and lost. That seems almost impossible, right?
0: Yeah, that was – I mean, there have been, like you brought up before, a lot of weird statistical anomalies over the last – week and a half two weeks for the reds
1: they did score a run in the first inning last night that did snap another statistical streak they had gone 20 straight games without scoring in the first inning which is the longest streak since 1950 so they did snap that last night
0: that's another weird one there yes it is yes it is. our boy Nick Senzel had a rough night Wednesday (laughs) he he didn't get the start due to a stiff back which you know we were hoping the whole Added weight thing, maybe he was going to find some health through being fat, and lo and behold, he gets a stiff back, which I will say, common fat guy injury. Common fat guy injury having lower back issues. Uh, and then he got picked off at first base as a pinch runner in the eighth inning. So not, not a great look for him. He also had a, an error on Tuesday night in center field. So you, you got to take the good with the bad, right? You add some weight, you're not going to be as slick in the outfield. You're not going to be as good on the base pass, which he's never been a great base runner but at least he's got a great slash line over the last month.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's the yin of the yang. I mean, like I said, just because you're heavy doesn't mean you can't run. And I use Tony Gwynn as a perfect example of that. He could yeah. still run.
0: Well, last night, Nixon Zell couldn't hardly move when, no. when uh, Chapman threw over to first. And by the way, it, it's one thing to get picked off by a lefty on first base. It's another thing to get picked off on his B or C move. Yeah, like, exactly. Chapman wasn't giving you a good move. He was looking directly at you and threw at you. It wasn't like the whole, you know, look at you, look to home, step at a diagonal angle. That's borderline cheating and throw over there. No, he was coming over to first base the whole time. I don't I, like he, Nixon's Zell just completely fell asleep in the eighth inning of a, a one run game with the Reds ahead. Tough. Yeah. One. Maybe,
1: maybe, maybe that's what got him after all though. You know, you're, you're, you're waiting for the look back, look back, look back. <laughs> and, and he freezes you with the quickie.
0: That's tough. Uh, Skinny, also on the topic of the Reds, starting pitcher Luis Castillo was the lone player selected for the All-Star game as rosters for both the American and National League teams were announced on Sunday. Castillo has made 12 starts this season, has a 3-4 and record with a two ninety two ERA and In 71 innings. He has allowed 55 hits, 23 walks, and 74 strikeouts. Did you think Luis Castillo was the best All-Star choice from this Reds team?
1: I don't think he was the best, but I get it. I mean, if you start, I, I know I, Brandon Drury was the obvious guy from a statistical standpoint, but then you got to look at who else was selected at the positions that Brandon Drury, third base, second base. Um, Jazz Chisholm was, was selected as a backup. Manny Machado was selected as a backup at third base, Chisholm at second. And then you got to look, and, and, you know, when you start selecting pitchers, there's a there's a fine line when these guys fill out rosters. Obviously, you have to take one player from every team, but you're also trying to put together a roster on top of it. So, I think the way the roster was constructed and the construction wise, that was he the most deserving? Probably not. I think we could probably say Brandon Drury was without question. But um, from a filling out the roster standpoint, I, I get it.
0: And there might be a chance Drury still goes due to some injuries. Right. at Right, I mean, he plays so many different spots in the infield that you can kind of put him wherever. Uh, so so he still has a chance. The thing about Drury that's kind of interesting is when you look into his splits, and this is coming up a little bit now as he's becoming a hotter name on the, the trade block here towards the deadline. He's slashing 310, 359, 577 at home compared to 231, 299, and 488 on the road. Do you think this is a situation where he's just benefiting from playing in great American ballpark right now this year. And he's mostly who he's been the rest of his career.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's probably right. And I think that's, what's going to probably, if you're going to deal him, not get you much back in return. um,
0: That would worry me if I was another team for sure.
1: Yeah. Unless I'm, well, I was going to say, unless I'm the Rockies, but they're not in contention. So, so yeah, yeah, no, they ain't dealing for him. No, correct. No, I, I think that is probably a little troublesome that uh, that's why you're not going to get much. Plus he's a rent a player. Um, you know, you may not even be able to deal with the guy at all for all I know.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe there's, a, there's an opportunity where he's a package with Castillo or Mally or something like that, and he just – someone needs a, a utility infielder. That's the one thing that's nice about him is he does have the value of – you can put him at third, you can put him at second, you can put him at first base. Right. I mean, he, he can play pretty much anywhere in the infield other than shortstop, so.
1: Uh, yeah, and we're talking now a, a half season's worth of, of splits, too. We're not talking about two weeks' worth. Uh, that's a pretty decent – it's not, you know – a gargantuan sample size. That's a pretty good sample size though. Right.
0: And it's weird how, I mean, those, those road numbers are pretty similar to the type of guy he's been. Right. You know I mean? Those, right. That kind of looks, Oh wow. This is, this is who this guy is. And then you look at what well, he's doing at great American ballpark. And there's the difference in this season to past seasons for him. So uh, that would, that would definitely be a concern if you were a team looking to add him. skinny one other thing that I was curious about, I think it was Lance that brought this up earlier this week. He brought up the idea of and we talked about this before the season when we were discussing how they've handled roster management in the past and sometimes waited too long to make certain decisions like the, the Todd Frazier All-Star Game situation, for instance, where they were worried about who was going to be around for the All-Star Game in Cincinnati and the and appearances and all that type of thing. Do you think there's any chance ownership is worried about appearances for the Field of Dreams game in August against the Cubs? and? and might wait to trade a guy because of that?
1: Um, I, I do think they're worried about appearances, um, but I think that they've learned their lesson, the hard lesson from that 2015 season when they waited too late to get um, the proper value in return. Um, at least I hope that's the case. I, I think that's probably the case too. I, I think they understand that, that, if they'd have just come out from the get-go and said, "Listen, we're in rebuilding mode. Please stick with us," instead of trying to sugarcoat it, then then you know, yelling at the fans and blaming them, um, I, I think they've learned the lesson that fans will actually accept the rebuild if you do it the right way and, and you're kind of upfront about it. And I think fans now understand, yes, some guys are going to have to go. I mean, this isn't like the Jesse Bates debate where there's people on my side of the fence of don't pay him, you're not going to need to pay him, don't worry about paying him, just put the franchise tag. And the other side says, "Oh, you got to pay him." I mean, this is, I think, as most fans understand, especially the 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 core of the fan base understands. You you've got to make some trades to 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 make this better, and 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 that field of game, field of dreams game, be damned. I mean, the cool part about the field of dreams game is the field of dreams. It's the field itself. Uh, you you could plop probably two little league teams in there, and people would watch.
0: Yeah, right. And and especially when we're talking about your pitchers. Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley, there's no guarantee that they line up for that game to be. That's given. right.
1: No, that's correct too. Yeah, that's so right. It's
0: like, I, I I think that doesn't, that's kind of missing. Well, don't point forget it,
1: that, you know, that's after the deadline too. And then you got to have guys clear waivers. And yeah, there's a lot of wink wink with guys being put on waivers and teams not claiming them in order for trades to be done, but it is a more complicated process.
0: Yeah. I, I, I would really hope that's not the case here, but I mean, it's hard to put anything past this ownership group. Yeah. I, but I, like I said, I, I would hope
1: they've learned their lesson from 15.
0: You would like to think that this off season didn't suggest that they had, but I uh, Actually, that's fair. We'll see.
1: But, but the thing is though, Rick, I think the backlash from the fan base was more towards um Phil Castellini's remarks and the way they were playing at the time. I mean, it all tied in together. I, like I said, I think most, most of the of the core of your fan base understood the Suarez winker trade not all and the sunny gray trade maybe not what you got back but all, all the you understood them if, if you understood what's going if you really were a core fan so that's why I think you would understand this and I think they I think they understand that you understand this they didn't understand um that you can't blame the fans for your for for your failings you you've got to blame yourself for not not spending on players
0: well I agree with that but I I think you brought up a good point before the season of they started a plan in motion to sort of tank and and get rid of guys and and get younger and slash payroll. And then they heard all the backlash from the fan base during the offseason right. and they went out and added some payroll right after that. And it's like, wait, what? what are you doing? You seem caught in the middle here. You don't seem to have a clear path or at least don't seem to have the stomach to go down a, a tough path if that's what you're deciding to do. And maybe that's completely off base. Maybe that was their plan all along. If so, no, it I not. needed to explain to me better than the way they did. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think everyone's lost a lot of confidence in the front office in general. So they're going to have to win that back. And hopefully they can start by what they do in the next few weeks here leading agreed. up to the trade deadline. Yeah, agreed. Let's switch gears here. Sportsbetting.ag has the Bengals favored in only seven of 14 games in which it's set early point spread so far. The Bengals are underdogs of three points or less in six of the seven games in which they aren't favored. Skinner, are you surprised by the Bengals only being favored in seven of 14 games?
1: It, yeah, I put that story on our website because um, I found it interesting, A, and, and it usually gets pretty good engagement and, and people looking at it, B. Um, that, it seems about right because I, like when you first see the, the headline, which was, you know, they're only favored in seven of 14 games. And, and the reason why they didn't do all the games, they didn't do the last two weeks um, of the season because they said it's just, it's too, too tough with schedules and um, possible playoff scenarios. And who's going to, you know, who's going to play, who's not. Right. Or the uh, situation
0: they, Bengals had last year where they rest all the starters in week correct, 17. Right.
1: right correct. Um, and then they didn't set one of the Browns lines. It was interesting. They set five Browns lines but didn't set the other, well, they didn't set the last weeks, but they didn't set the other nine citing the Deshaun Watson situation. And I thought, well, why would you not cite that throughout? Why would you set lines randomly for for them? I, I didn't Thank understand you. that.
0: That made zero sense to me. It's like, okay, I totally understand why you can't set lines for the Browns, but how do you get five out of 17 yeah, I, and you can't go I, up with the others?
1: I, I don't, I, unless I know that one Bengals game is a primetime game, unless that's the primetime games they set them for, just because they know there's going to be interest. I
0: guess it's just weird to me that they're like, "Yeah, we're not we we can set we can set it for five of the Browns games right now, right. but the rest the Deshaun Watson just makes it too murky." It's like I, I, I don't understand that
1: at all. Yeah, and, and 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 look in some of those lines, I think you would probably, if seasons go the the, the season goes the way you're hoping it goes, you know, like they're a two point underdog at New England right now. I could see them flipping that to being a Bengals favorite if the teams go in the directions I think they're going to go. They have them as a, I think a two point underdog, two and a half point underdog at uh, Tennessee. I can see that possibly flipping around. They got him a one-and-a-half-point underdog at New Orleans. I could certainly see that flipping around. The the only one that I probably don't see them flipping to being favored is that second game at Dallas. They're currently a two-and-a-half-point underdog. I, I would guess, Rick, they probably, no matter what the teams do in week one, um, barring, obviously, catastrophic injury to, to to key player or two for either team, I, I, I could see the Cowboys still being favored in that game. The rest yeah. of them, though, I, I think are kind of coin-tossy.
0: I'd agree, and and to be clear, I think people get confused because this happened last year, where I, I think they were only favored in one game or favored in no games. I think that's people. right. I think,
1: was, I think it was one game. Yeah, it, Jackson, the Jacksonville game, they were favored that early Jacksonville game.
0: But that's also not the same thing as Vegas saying they're not. They're only going to win one game, or in this case, they're only going to win seven games. The, right. the over right. under win total is actually nine and a half here. So I mean, the way they project that is, you know, all those games that are a uh, three point or under spread that uh, are going against the Bengals in this case. Those are basically toss up type games. So they expect you to win a few of those as well. You know, I mean, it's, it's so the total for wins is set at nine and a half for this year's Bengals team. And I think that sounds about right to me. I like the over. I, I like for them to get back to 10 wins again this year, but it sounds more reasonable when you hear that along with the right. That's seven right. or 14 games that they're favored yep. Agreed. in. Agreed. Looking at some of those other 2022 20, odds for the season, Super Bowl odds for the Bengals plus 2000 to win the AFC which, is, which
1: for the for the record is 20 to 1 just for right. people who are just a simple yep
0: to win the AFC it's 11 to 1 or plus 1100 and to win the division plus 175 any of those jump out to you that you like
1: yeah if i was going to bet whether they go to the super bowl or not i think i'd bet on them winning the super bowl as opposed to winning the AFC you almost double your odds there i mean i'm looking at one more game if that's the case so I don't like the value of them winning the AFC number at 11-1. There's just too many good teams. But I don't mind the value of a team that just went to the Super Bowl winning it at 20-1. to 1. That doubles my odds. I think I like the value of that more than any of them.
0: I would agree. And then also they have, just to make the playoffs, yes is minus 130, no is plus 100. So a little juiced on the the yes side, but it's still not terrible odds if you want to put down a decent amount on it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I could, I could, you know, you go 130 to win 100 there, and put another, um, you know, 30 bucks on them winning the Super Bowl. I, 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 I'm good with that. I think that's a, you're going to get some value back in that.
0: All right, sportsbetting.ag also released wide receiver props for individual statistical totals. We've talked about the quarterbacks and the running backs the last few weeks. This week it's the receivers. They have numbers for receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Available for nearly every top wide receiver. We'll start with Jamar Chase. The number they have on receptions for Jamar Chase is 83 and a half. He caught 81 balls last year in 17 games. Although that last game he really just played a series or two, I think, to uh to get the record. Uh what are your thoughts there on the reception total for Jamar Chase? All right, and give nine.
1: me the give me the, give me the number again. I was I started to write it down and my pen didn't work.
0: It's eighty three and a half, and he had eighty-one last year.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go under that total. Cause again, I, again, I think they throw it less and I think teams scheme even more to take Jamar chase out of it. And I think, I think you're going to find a handful more tight end touches this year than you did last year. So I, I'm going to go under, I'm not telling you Jamar chase is going to have a bad year, but could I see 75 catches for him? Sure. 75 for 1350 yards. Sure. Right. I just
0: think last year, even after you saw what he was doing to some extent, You're still looking at it from the perspective of he's a rookie. They have other talented weapons on the other side. We're not going to completely change our defense for this guy who was dropping balls all preseason. Now, after you've seen him for a year and you know what he's about, and you know, he's one of the best receivers in the game and most dangerous players in the game, there's going to be a whole lot more scheming going on to do whatever you can to just take Jamar chase away as much as possible. So it would not surprise me at all. If he goes under what he put up last year, which was 81 catches, and and obviously this year they have him for a few more at 83 and a half. So I, I like the under here too, personally. Receiving yards, they've got him at 1,175 and a half yards. That's an average of uh 69.1 yards per game. Last year he put up 1,455 yards.
1: Yeah, I love the over there. I mean, like I said, he, I don't think he's gonna get there catch number wise, but um, I can still see him averaging what he averaged last year, 18 yards a catch. He's still going to be a big play guy. Um, so, you know, do, do the math. 75 in, in times 18 is is what probably, I'm doing this off the top of almost 1,400 yards there. All right, let's just say he drops it by a yard or so or a yard and a half. I think he still gets the total of 1,250 with ease. So I, I'm taking the over on that one.
0: Yeah, here, here's what it's actually, well, under that, it's uh, 1100, 1,175. So. Um, you don't have to get to 1250, but here's what I don't understand about these numbers. They're expecting him to get two and a half more catches than he got last year, but get 300 less yards. Right.
1: Yeah. That seems weird to me.
0: That doesn't make, I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. I, I love the over here for, for receiving yards. And then same thing with the receiving touchdowns. I don't really understand the number they set this year for him for receiving touchdowns is 10. Uh, last year he had 13.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go back over because I, I I think he's a good red zone target A and, and B, he's he's just that guy who's he's Randy Moss. He's gonna catch ten touchdowns in his sleep. Um, yeah, he's gonna
0: break he's gonna break a couple, just that yeah. shouldn't even happen. And yeah, then and, and they're and gonna again, target him in the red zone, like you said. Yeah
1: yeah, I I I think that's an over for me too. So yeah, I'm going under in the receptions, but over in the touchdowns and yards.
0: Yeah, it was just very strange to me that they expect him to get more catches but expect his other stats to drop fairly significantly. I, that was surprising to see. T. Higgins here, he played in 14 games last year, so keep that in mind as we're going through these numbers. The receptions number for T. Higgins is 77 and a half. He put up 74 in 14 games last year.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm going to lean towards under there too because I, I think he's one of those guys who's going to miss a couple of games every year for something. You know, his rookie year it was a hamstring early and a hamstring late um, that, that kept him from getting a 1,000-yard season when he got hurt on the first series of that last Cleveland game. You know, last year it was a shoulder. He's coming off shoulder surgery. I don't want to label him as, as injury-prone. That's not fair. He's only missed a couple of games each of the last two years. But I think he's a guy who's going to always miss a couple of games a year. And because of that, I think I'm going to lean towards the under.
0: So here's the, the thing I look at is I think Jamar Chase is going to get fewer touches next year, just because teams are going to be skeeping more towards him. I also think Joe Burrow being more confident, being more comfortable in this offense is going to continue to spread it around as much as possible. Someone is going to benefit from that. Do I think it's T Higgins? Do I think it's Tyler Boyd? Tyler Boyd being in a contract year kind of makes me want to lean that way, but I could also see it being Higgins. I think he's the more talented of the two. Oh yeah, I do too. I I'm, I think I'm going to lean lean to Boyd based on the numbers so I think I'll go under here with you on receptions for T. Higgins receiving yards they have him at 995 and a half yards as the number here that is smaller than what he put up last year he put up over a thousand yards 1091 yards last year in 14 games
1: yeah and if I lean towards I think he's going to miss a couple and play 14 games I think he hits the mark of of over a thousand again so I'll go over on the yards
0: yeah I mean you're only asking him for an average of 50 Fifty-nine yards per game, basically, to get the over here. Uh, I I feel like he's going to be able to do that. And then finally, receiving touchdowns for T. Higgins, they got him at seven and a half. Last year, he had six.
1: Yeah, and I I think he's also got more red zone possibilities with his length. Um, I'm going to go towards the over with that. I'm, I'm I could, I mean eight's not a huge number. I mean, could he get to eight? Yeah, I think he could get to eight. I, I think I I think I'd go a heavy lean towards the over.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I-, I like the over on that number, too. I think that's really where you see the-, the three games he missed last year come into play here. You know, he only had six touchdowns last year, but if you give him three more games, my guess is he probably goes over that seven and a half number last year, too, or at least, you know, gets to seven for sure. And then finally, Tyler Boyd, he played in 16 games last year. The number four receptions is set at 63 and a half. He had 67 last season.
1: A tough one for me i i yeah i, I think i'll go over I, i'm kind of with you that something tells me that he's going to get more targets for many reasons and i it's 70 plus catches well within his range sure i i, I think i'll go over there
0: yeah I, I i like tyler boyd and i i'm expecting him to have a pretty nice season uh i'll go over on the receptions i i'm probably over on all of these numbers if i'm being honest the receiving yards is 700 750 and a half yards Last year, he had 828 in 16 games.
1: Yeah, I, I, that that sounds like a very low total for a guy that's one of the big three. Um, I mean, last year, I I thought going the year last year, all three of them were going to get 1,000 yards. Two of them obviously did. Obviously, Chase went way over the mark. You know, Tyler was in the 800 range. I mean, could you see a little less Chase and a little more T-Boyd? Yeah, I could see that. So, yeah, I'll go over on that one, too.
0: Yeah. I think this year you might even have a better chance of getting all three to a thousand yards and then receiving touchdowns four and a half is the total. He had five last year in 16 games.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah that's again, sounds like a small number to me too. And, and, and yeah, the five seem like a very small number for him last year. As much as again, I continue to talk about the running game and Joe Mixon had a big year. I, these numbers seem very small to me when you're going under the totals from last year by seemingly a pretty significant, I'm good. I'm going over there too.
0: I'm with you. I'm going to go over on the four and a half touchdowns number uh, for Tyler Boyd. I like all the overs T Higgins. I feel like they're they're tougher to decide. Um, and then the Jamar Chase ones, like I said, were just weird to me. The fact that they expect him to get more catches, but way less yards and three less touchdowns didn't really make a lot of sense to me. So I'll go over on those those second two numbers for him for sure. But uh, Tyler Boyd for me is all overs here.
1: Uh, Rick, before we move on to another topic, there is one more Bengals thing, and it just came came across their Twitter account as we're doing this. They they are going to have a an alternate helmet this year, um, which the NFL has cleared and allowed, and I think they can wear this in the second half of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're they're going to the white helmets. What do you think of? I'm not a, you know me. I'm not a uniform guy, but I know a lot of people who listen are. Um, so I certainly think we ought to address it. Do you like the white helmet look? I do. I love them. I, I thought, would you, I thought like, the, would you like it? Would you like it multiple times? Because it's potential for multiple times. Yeah, I
0: would. I, I actually think it's probably their coolest look right now. I loved the white out jerseys that they had. And when they pair it with that white helmet, it looks so much better than doing the orange helmet on top of the white out jersey. So um, I think it's an awesome look. I'd love to see it paired with other jerseys, like the, the black jersey going with that. I think would be very cool. The best part about all of this is that they changed their jersey. Was that last year or the year before when they got uh, last the year? Yeah, last year. It's so much better. I mean, it's just such a cleaner look. Everything looks better with it. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to to see the the white helmet with these new jerseys.
1: It's funny that I, I got their Twitter up, but it doesn't show it. But I, we we all know what it looks like because we've seen it before. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm indifferent on it. I guess I I'm just. I'm still a traditionalist. I, I, if it was up to me. I'd still I'd still like to see Bengals on the side of the helmet, to be honest with you.
0: Uh, honestly, a throwback helmet with the old school orange and, and it just Bengals in print going across. I, I do think those are pretty cool throwback helmets. I wouldn't mind seeing those. But, I mean, you have to give the Bengals credit. They have one of the more iconic helmets in the NFL. And yeah,
1: no, I agree. It's, it's had I a lot of staying
0: power. So I like the idea of keeping that design but doing the play on it with the, the white instead of the orange. I just, plus it's, it's like legitimate when you think, when you go to the zoo and you see tigers, you see the orange and black ones and you see whatever the white and black ones are called. I don't know. Es- Eskimo tigers or something. I don't know. Snow <laughs>
1: snow tigers. Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing, Rick, um, it didn't surprise me uh, that the Bengals uh, opted to, to uh, apply for a license for, for gaming inside the stadium. Um, I'm a little surprised we, we haven't heard from the Reds or even from FC Cincinnati on that yet.
0: Yeah, I, I can't remember what the company is called that the Bengals are, are paired up with. Bet, but, bet,
1: but, bet Fred.
0: Yeah, Bet Fred. That's the other weird thing is it's like these these companies that are coming in we've never heard of. There's so many gaming companies as there is right now. I'm surprised it's not some bigger names that we're hearing partnerships with NFL teams, but you knew this was coming. I mean, like you said, it's surprising that we're not hearing more about the other pro teams in town getting on this. And do you, do you know, I, I saw that they're going to have an app. Do you know, are they going to have kiosks throughout the
1: stadium? I, I think that's what they've applied for. They t- applied for a type a license and I need to look into that a little bit further, but I'm, I'm guessing that's probably the case. Um, I, I know that obviously with that app, they're trying to get it in people's hands in time for this season. You won't be able to bet, but they're, they're going to have interactive games, interactive things that you can do during the game with the yeah, app. Free um, and to that's play just, stuff. Yeah, and that's going to get you, you know, kind of hooked. It not hooks, not the well. I guess hooked is the right word. It responsibly, to,
0: responsibly yes, hooked.
1: Yes, it will get you used to to doing that during games. So moving forward, and they're hoping obviously they're in the playoffs in January. Um, I think there's actually one regular season home game in January as well, so you'll be able to use it then. Um, it's wise. I, I think it's, it's it's a smart move on on their part.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. I think there's some really cool things you can do that'll add to the in-game experience of, of attending an NFL game. Cause I, we've talked about this in the past. I'm to the point where I'm pretty much out on going to NFL games from a fan perspective. Like I might, I might be more apt to just go down and tailgate beforehand with people and then go back to my house and watch it because the experience is just so much better, especially yep. for people that are into betting or fantasy football, or just watching multiple games or watching red zone channel at your house and seeing replays and all that stuff. It's just, it's a lot better of an experience than being in the stadium, waiting through commercials, lots of standing around, drunk people fighting next to you, all of that. If you can add some cool in-game betting type stuff that I can do on an app while I'm there, I'd be a lot more apt to go enjoy a, a Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium, if I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I think that, you know, for for a chunk of fans, it's, and it's a way to make look, might as well cash in on it. I'm, I'm still that we live in Kentucky, you and I do and I'm still, I'm still stuck on how in the world do we not keep up with the Joneses in this state. And we've chosen not to because of a small faction of, of loud people. Um, but we still not, you know, put it to a vote. I'm still that's the thing that pisses me off. If you don't like it in, in in the Bible belt of Kentucky, that's fine. But put it to the entire state for a vote. And if you don't want it in your region, then don't 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 have it in your region. Leave leave me alone.
0: Yeah, can we just get in Campbell County or something yeah, up correct, here? Right. <laughs> like, correct. I'd be correct. fine with that. But correct. I mean fortunately for me, I you know, we're five minutes from the river at this point. So I I will easily be able to go across and, and place my bets on an app once they allow that uh, January 1st, I believe is the date, that that all goes live. So yes, correct. that's correct.
1: Yep. Yeah. Correct. And, and by the way um, there is a, a deadline for, for people to apply for or actually facilities or entities to apply for a gambling license in Ohio. I believe it's this Friday, but I did read a thing that said that's just to make sure that you're not going to be left behind. That's like, Hey, if we have, I think they have 85 they're giving out in the state that if they have, you know, 120 people apply, you're in line, and there are like eight, I think, that have applied so far. So um, I I don't think you're going to be left out in the cold. So I do think you'll see the Reds and FC Cincinnati jump into this some way, shape, or form before it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, One more thing here on the Bengals to get to. ESPN surveyed more than 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players to stack the top 10 players at 11 different positions, from edge rusher to interior offensive linemen. We'll start with, I know they've released quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers to this point. Uh, Top 10 quarterbacks, Joe Burrow came in at number five on that list. He's behind Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Tom Brady. The names right after him, Matt Stafford, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and Dak Prescott. What are your thoughts on Joe Burrow slotting in at number five in the NFL?
1: I think it's a nice pat on the back to, to tell you how far he's already ascended. I mean, he's behind um, – Josh Allen's not a Hall of Famer yet, but he's behind three Hall of Famers. Pat Mahomes, if he stopped playing today, would be a Hall of Famer. Agreed. And, and obviously Brady and Rogers. And Josh Allen is arguably the best multifaceted quarterback in the NFL from a, from a passing and running standpoint. I don't think he's the pure passer that, that Joe Burrow is, um, but Joe Burrow's nowhere near the runner Josh Allen is either. So, yeah, I think that seems about right to me.
0: Yeah. I Are you surprised that any of the guys behind him weren't ahead of him?
1: I'm, I'm a little surprised that, that they didn't rank Herbert higher in a way, but I'm kind of glad they didn't because I go back to, I like the guy. He's done a lot of great things in his two years in the league, but he ain't taking a team to the Super Bowl, and this other cat did.
0: Justin Herbert's talented. There's no doubt about that. This isn't crapping on Justin Herbert, but I don't really understand the people that seem convinced that he's better or more talented than Joe Burrow.
1: I mean, if you want to go from just the pure arm talent, I think everybody would say yes, but that's not all the quarterback play is right. just pure arm talent.
0: He has a strong arm. And he's and he's
1: very good. Yeah, and he's very good. No, I think five is, I mean, I'm sure Rams fans could say, wait a minute, our guy just won a Super Bowl in his first year getting out of hell in Detroit. Shouldn't he be? I mean, maybe, but. But we've, the,
0: the problem for Matt Stafford is, and, and yeah, you were in Detroit, so that, we'll factor that in, but. We've got more tape on you to pick apart, too.
1: Yes, right. That's correct. We've
0: seen more of your screw-ups over the years. Yes, you had a brilliant year last year. And yes, maybe it was all due to the fact that you finally got on a competent franchise. But at the same time, you've also done a lot of goofy things throughout your career as a quarterback and made a lot of mistakes, too. So uh, Joe Burrow hasn't shown those weaknesses yet to this point.
1: And and don't get me wrong.
0: I mean, he's six right behind Joe Burrow. So it's not like there's a huge difference
1: there. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, when you start ranking these guys, I mean, is eight that much worse than five? No, they're (laughs) split hairs, right? If we're talking, if you're a quarterback in the twenties and and you think that guy should be in the top 10, then we've got an argument. I know the big one was, I I heard our good friend Mo Egger talk about this. I know the argument was, you know, Lamar Jackson's not in the top 10. Um, Yeah. How big of a problem do you have with that? I could put him ahead of Dak Prescott very easily. I, I think he's much more accomplished. Who was number nine? Deshaun Watson, which I don't think he's yeah, I, necessarily I, I, better than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd put Lamar Jackson ahead of Deshaun Watson as well. Really? Yeah. Did, I, I mean, do. before all of this. Yes. Yes. Nonsense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson's been a
0: league MVP. That's true. That's true. I, and, and the thing, like people always act like Lamar Jackson isn't a passer because he's so athletic and a runner. That, that dude's, been pretty good with his arm now, too, for a while. I, I
1: yeah, no, my, my only knock has been, and it happened last year is once running quarterbacks start to get hurt, they get hurt. And yep. I, yep. I just that's that's my only fear. That's my only knock that's ever been on the guy.
0: And it's fair. Uh, the one it'll be interesting to see what happens with him this year is Russell Wilson. I, I feel like he's starting to fall off. I'm not sure if I would still have him in my top 10. And that's the guy I'd probably put Lamar Jackson in over.
1: I'll be honest though, having watched him in person in Seattle a couple of years ago, Zach Taylor's opener, and just watching the 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 offensive line around him, um, boy, that that dude does create some magic. I'm not gonna lie, out of nothing. I mean, he's played behind some really crap offensive lines for a really long time.
0: I just don't know if he's still that guy. It that's seems fair. like there was a, a pretty decent fall off over the last year plus, and and maybe that's just due to the fact that he's with a terrible team. It was getting a little checked out, maybe. I'm interested to see what happens with them this year because, you know. Yeah, he, You know, we did the one a couple
1: – Right, we did the one a couple three weeks ago where we, we took, you know, mythical money and put it on, on MVP, and I thought Russell's – I thought Russell's value was great. I think he's got a chance to be an MVP. So I, I think I'd still put him there, but I think that's fair. I mean, let's just say they go 8-8, eight and eight and Russell is just an average quarterback, and he just doesn't have any more than – yeah, I think he easily slides out of the top 10 very quickly.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Looking at this, I think I could almost make the argument that Lamar Jackson's better than anybody after Joe Burrow. Like the Matt Stafford yeah, thing no, is tough fair. because he just won the Super yeah. Bowl, but it's also again if you go back to watch the the entirety of those two players' careers, Lamar Jackson is a better player than Matt Stafford or has been. So um yeah, I mean, I could make the argument for anybody after Burrow that Lamar Jackson's better than them, and and a lot, and I'm sure people in Baltimore would be arguing that Lamar Jackson's done more than Joe Burrow to this point too, but. I just think the way Joe Burrow has kind of set this league on fire. It's, it's hard to argue that he's not uh, about as good as it gets at this point. Agreed. Uh, top 10 running backs. Joe Mixon came in at number six here. Yet Derek Henry is number one overall. Jonathan Taylor, number two. I think it's hard to argue with either of those. Then you have Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara ahead of Joe Mixon. Right after Mixon is Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones and Javante Williams. Any thoughts there?
1: I I mean, you could argue McCaffrey's done more, obviously, in his career. But if we're ranking them right now, uh, he's coming off injury. um, And Mixon Mixon doesn't turn 26 until until July 24th, this July 24th. I mean, and I I think he doesn't have the tread on the tires. So, yeah, that seems almost dead all right put him. Yeah. I, I, I I could argue flipping him and McCaffrey just because of what McCaffrey's accomplished. But at this point of their careers, I would take Joe Mixon over over Christian McCaffrey. And really, all of these
0: guys are so good all through the top ten here. Like I, I think Henry and Taylor are a pretty clear one and two.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, think. Well, I was I was trying to do them in my head as you were doing them, and I rolled them right off the the, the, the top five in order in my head. I'm, I know people could say I'm just saying that, but yeah, Nick Chubb's in that group for me as well.
0: Yeah, that's a, like I like I said, any of these top ten guys are really good. I don't think there's any argument about who's like right there at the top. And so much of this is dependent on the team around you in terms of your stats and numbers and where you're going to rank on this list. So I find it hard to argue with anybody on this list, really.
1: Well, and don't forget they, they talk to to people throughout the league in, in some front offices, et cetera. And I think that shows you also a respect factor that, that, that coaches have for, for Joe Mixon's talent.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, again, this was – executives coaches scouts and other players that they surveyed to to come to these conclusions so it's yeah, not I like don't believe, a I don't fan list or just some writer from right. spn correct exactly all right finally top 10 wide receivers this one was interesting jamar chase comes in at number three in the nfl as voted on by his peers scouts coaches executives what have you Devonte adams was number one cooper cup number two chase number three and then after him, you have Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel, and DK Metcalf. Skinny, I don't have a problem with saying Jamar Chase is number three overall, but when you say those names right after him, that's some serious respect that he's getting from the rest of the league.
1: Yeah, um, you know, you could argue Tyreek Hill's the most dangerous, right? Just yeah. because of, uh, you know, you you have to absolutely scheme two people with him, unless you want to get yourself burned. I think that's going to make a
0: major difference for Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs this
1: year. I, I do too. Um, but no, I mean, listen, I don't think Jamar, I mean, Jamar Chase was no fluke coming out of college, right? I mean, the, the, the guy was, it was a great player. He obviously had the issues in training camp and he was coming off, not playing for a year. And it let us to all wring our hands a little bit initially, but once you saw him play and once he got comfortable playing it, he just looked like, You look like a guy that that, that the game's easy for him.
0: Yeah. And that's what, you know, I think that the quote about him was something to the effect of he's, he moves and has speed, like a guy who's 185 pounds, but he's like 210, you know, I mean, he's powerful, strong, and it's just really tough to, to not only card him, but then bring him down after the fact and what, what he can do after the catch. So uh, it's a lot of respect to put him up there that high, but I mean, if you told me he's number one overall, I don't know if I have a great argument against that based on what he showed us last year.
1: And, and think about Joe Burrow having number three and number four on his on that list to throw to in college. Silly. It is silly.
0: Just absolutely silly. So. I mean, that's, that's the thing about some of these SEC schools, man. They're legitimately at the skill position. And even some of those offensive lines that, you know, the, that LSU line was crazy too. It's like yep. they're playing with, talent and that NFL is better teams. yeah better sometimes than the, well, the mean, bottom of the barrel nfl teams
1: and think about all three of those guys uh, joe burrow came in the league hit the ground running you know obviously didn't win a lot of games that first year but that wasn't because of joe burrow um jamar chase is, is rookie of the year and justin jefferson um has a thousand yard plus season his rookie year as well i mean uh you know you're not talking about guys that hey five years down the road boy that must have been really good ellis no this was like literally right off the campus and right into the league and here we go
0: yeah it was it seemed obvious at the time when they were doing it at LSU that they were going to be stars and it, they wasted no time in proving that. Right. All right. Let's get into some ask skinny anything. We, do, we don't have much here today. Just a couple of questions. The first one is sports related. Skinny, the the Open Championship is going on this week as we're speaking. And I got a question that just want to know, what are your thoughts on Phil Mickelson? He's basically excluding himself this week, so he doesn't have to talk to anyone.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, I guess to each his own, and, and maybe he doesn't want to fan flames. Maybe he knows that the best answer for him is not to answer. But it feels like he's 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 running and ducking from from his decision. Does it not? I yeah. Mean, if, if, if your decision is to go play on the live tour, then, then then man up to it. That's again, I've I've said it. I, it is blood money. But if you want to take it and you feel good with it and you can sleep at night, you
0: do you, man. Well, do you think there's some type of ultimatum that's come down that has told him, like, if you're going to do that, fine, but we don't want to see your face. We don't want you in front of cameras. We don't want you in that celebrity championship, whatever the thing they call on Monday, where the, all the, the old timers are playing with the guys and stuff like that. Because, I mean, he didn't show up to that. He teed off at like one in the morning the other night to start the tournament. There's, he's just completely non-existent, basically, this week which is not Phil Mickelson's personality at all.
1: No, I, I think he's felt the backlash and and now has decided to, to run and duck from it. And again, that, again, do you do you, and maybe that's the right thing for him to do and not fan the flames, but um, it, it is a little bit odd. I, I'll give you that part, but I, I think it just shows that um, a lot of these live guys are being ostracized and, and maybe rightfully so. Uh,
0: but, and that's fine, but just like Phil Mickelson's a guy that's always you know, joked about his man boobs. He's talked about bombing balls down the fairway, like doing all his goofy social media videos and stuff. Like he's a big personality, a charismatic guy. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that would run from this. I would expect him to have like a, you know, a, a witty comeback or say that he doesn't care what people think or something like that and just do his thing.
1: To me, this is weird. Well, I mean, don't forget, he decided not to play in the PGA Championship, which was his, his, his title to defend because of this. I think he's running duck from it the whole time. There's also after, the fact that he's after, just those, awful after, those, after those after those initial yeah after those initial comments that came out that just were so damning. I think he realizes his best damage control is just out of sight, out of mind.
0: I guess I mean I just, I just don't really understand what he's worried about happening to him at this point. Like he's. He's beyond oh, all same, that. It's not like it's going to ruin his same. career. He's made a hundred million dollars. Yeah, he lost all his sponsors,
1: not just because of, of playing on but, the Live tour, but right, but, with, it, but I mean, he's already,
0: but he's already made a hundred million as Corral. Like it's not like Phil Mickelson has to ever think about money. again.
1: No, I'm, I'm noting you, but like I said, maybe for him, his best decision was to out of sight, out of mind. Time heals all wounds. I'll come back in a, in a year. People will start to forget about this a little bit more as time goes by. And they probably will. Um, you know, he was not booed um uh, what, What event did he just play? Uh, The U.S. Open. Um, You know, he was not booed there, you know, and that was in Massachusetts. They kind of seemed to embrace him a little bit. Maybe that's the way he's going to treat this of, um, you know, I'm just not going to say anything. Hopefully the fans will understand. They'll come back to my corner that that were there before as long as I just shut my mouth for a while. And I think that's the the tact he's taken.
0: Well, here's the problem with that, though. If he's he's waiting on fans to come back and all that to him, he's... He's not making any cuts. He's like playing plus 10 golf right now.
1: No, he's also <laughs> in his, yeah. We're also at the stage two where, you know, the game's going to erode eventually in your fifties. I mean, you're going to go play on the champions tour or the live tour. And he's decided, listen, he's decided his day, day and age, he needs to make money. That's why you went to the live tour. It's no more simple than that.
0: I Right. And I don't, that's why I, if, for me, I don't understand what he's running from. It just seems like not that big of a deal. Everyone. There's a lot of other guys doing it he's not even good enough to play over here anymore. If we're being honest, he's not even good enough for the live tour and they're going to pay him a ton of money to be there. Why wouldn't he take that other than, you know, moral reasons. But if, if you don't have that, then own up to it, man, like just, you know, and maybe he, maybe he doesn't want to be put in front of the cameras because they've signed contracts that they're not allowed to say, Hey, I'm just doing it for the money.
1: Right. By the way, he did shoot as we're taping this podcast. As you mentioned, he teed off at, at one something in the morning, Uh, Eastern time our time so his rounds obviously already over he did shoot even par which um, isn't a great score today actually as we're doing the podcast the afternoon waves just starting to go off it has him currently t41 I'm gonna guess by the end of the day it'll be probably t60 something Um, so it puts him in line if he plays well tomorrow to make the cut but you're right he hasn't made cuts so you know yeah he's
0: finishing like 40th out of 48 in the live tour so not great
1: yeah. And still cashing, cashing big checks.
0: Yeah. Uh, and finally here we've got, how does skinny feel about happy blank day guy oh, when it's not Friday or even when it is for that matter? Like, Hey, happy yeah, Monday,
1: Monday, happy hump day, happy. And I, and I don't want to diss our guy John Lomax cause I know his thing a lot of times on Thursdays as they were going off happy Thursday, happy Friday Eve. But I just, I'm not, I don't, like I don't need that guy. I don't, you know what? <laughs> No, it's not hump day, bro. It's Wednesday. That's what it says on my calendar. It's Wednesday. It's going to be Wednesday from the time I wake up to the time, well, maybe not. I go to bed because if I don't, I'll go to bed on Thursday. And guess what? Then comes Friday. No, I know. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, that, that guy's annoying to me. Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Shut the hell up.
0: You know who, you know who likes. You know what?
1: I've got a, I've got a chronic case of the Mondays, whatever the hell that is.
0: You know who, uh, who likes doing the happy Monday thing? Is the same people? It's the same people who like Ted Lasso. Yes, there's a huge overlap. That's just like one big Venn diagram. You and I are both outside of that Venn diagram. It's why I've never watched Ted Lasso because I can just tell by the way people talk about it, I will not like it. And that's the same way I feel about this situation with the the Happy Monday guy. It's like there's just not happy days. None of these days are happy. We don't need to go there. You know what I mean?
1: Speaking of TV shows. Um, I I'm watching one right now that that's it, it, the series is already over, but, um, my wife had watched the first two years. She goes, you're going to love it. And it's so cringy. It's so well done, but it's so cringy that I actually have to have to turn away at times. Shit's Creek. Did, have you watched it yet?
0: I did not watch it. My, my wife loved it though.
1: And, and I, I love parts of it. Some of the characters are so, Have you ever watched that show where characters are so cringeworthy, you just can't watch
0: yeah. I've, I've seen bits and pieces of, I like walked through the room. So I know what you're talking about. And I, I totally agree. That one's, that one can be tough at times, but it, it does seem funny.
1: Yeah. I was watching yesterday while I was working, I had once upon a time in Hollywood, the Brad Pitt, um, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. That's kind of a, a spin off of the, the Manson murders where actually these two guys rub them out in the end, but there's the scene at the end, the, the kind of the, 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 the scene where he takes out all the, the bad guys and just the graphic nature of it, as much as I like the movie and, and wish that really would have happened in real life, it's just so cringeworthy that as soon as it starts, I turn it off and then I kind of time it out to go back to kind of the aftermath of it. Because I just the, f- the first time I watched it, it was just so gruesome. I went, oh, I, I, I and I like the movie a lot. I just can't watch that scene.
0: Did you ever watch the show Suits? What was it? Suits. It was on USA. Oh, suits. Yeah, it's no, probably... I did
1: not. I know the. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, okay. I thought you said Stoops. No, no, I did not. I know the show you're talking about, though.
0: Yeah, I've been been. I mean, I think it went from like 2007 to 2015. or Yeah, something it was on like
1: US, that. USA Network. USA.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. I've been binge watching that over the last like month or so. So I've basically what? gotten my law degree in that in that amount of time as well.
1: See, I watch Law and Order all the time. It's it's realistic enough for me that, that that's where I got my. See, there's nothing cringeworthy about Law and Order. There's really no, not. I mean, yeah, you know, there's the murder scene initially, but they don't make it cringy. They kind of basically show the dead body and then move on. They don't show usually how it happened and it's not overly graphic. And so I got just, just it's just so weird because Shits Creek is so well done, but the characters at times are so cringy. I can't watch. All
0: right, skinny. You're not a, you you've never seen any of the comic book movies. Have you like the Marvel? No, stuff? that's
1: yeah. No, I'm not a, yeah, none of that nonsense.
0: Yeah. I, I cannot see you being into that. And I, I was the same way for the longest time. It's like, well, I'm not a six year old. So no, I'm not watching comic book movies. But then, you know, lo and behold, I I got married and my younger brother is really into them. So now my brother and my wife like to go to these movies when they get released. So it's like, well, maybe you should get
1: married. Maybe you should get married. Yeah,
0: It might have been better. (laughs) But it's like, what, you know, what am I going to be? The guy who's like, no, I'm staying at home while my wife and brother go to the movie. So
1: my friend, I would be that guy.
0: I know, but I decided to get into them, and they are very well done. So I ended up going back and I've watched all the Marvel movies in order over the last like three months or however just just, just
1: to catch up and feel like you're in the loop
0: yeah well because if you go to these now then i see them right. and i'm like oh why is that guy who is that guy why is he here right. what and then i hear people laugh at random parts that don't make any sense to me and i'm like all right i i guess i if i'm going to continue going to watch these things i, I need, need to be in story. on the yeah. yeah so i've you. wasted a lot of my life for the last few months doing that
1: i'm noting you all right that's all we got all right, all good. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Bengals training camp is soon fast approaching. You can find, uh, I'm doing a day-by-day position analysis at local12.com. You can find the work there. Um, and we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for the questions as well. Keep them coming each and every week. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pope edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Crime Life.